0: Ladies and gentlemen, I just want to talk to you a little bit today about um, a couple of things that are on my mind. Um, as most of you know, the, uh, the reptilians and the gray aliens have uh, taken over uh, the global elite uh, uh, society. And so they're in places of power. And uh, what I've discovered um, is that the only cure or the only assistance that we can have is to hop along the mixed bus.
1: Man, welcome aboard the mixed bus today. We're gonna to have a great ride. We really,
0: really are, Mark. It's gonna be a fantastic ride.
1: Yeah, yeah. That was my best radio voice, by the way. You it, know was, I mean? it was actually fantastic. Well, thank you very much. Fantastic's the word of the day, guys.
0: <laughs> I just want to say. Okay, so um did you do you know what I got to experience yesterday? What? Oh, it was fantastic. Okay. There again. Okay. Make note of any time I say that. Okay. I got to have a root canal. Oh, man. It was actually not fantastic. Okay. Not a lot of fun. Boys and girls out there, if you're listening, listen to me. Come here. Shh, shh, shh. Don't be scared of me. Listen, don't be scared. (laughs) But a root canal does not feel good. Um, It actually was a tooth that was injured years ago, and I had it, uh, the filling broke. Mm -hmm. I had it redone, Mm -hmm. and it didn't take. Oh, man. And I had severe pain and I had to have this done. So not a lot of fun. I do not recommend it.
1: Wow. Okay, yeah. We'll keep that in mind.
0: Keep that in mind, everybody. Oh, another thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And for everybody who doesn't know, we are in the ATL, Yes. uh, what we call Hollywood of the South. (laughs) Yeah, Um, that's right. Lots and Mm -hmm. lots of films and TV shows being uh, filmed around us. It's a pretty awesome time to be in Georgia. It is. I got to say. It really is. But... um, I was, I was listening to the CDC report this morning. So we've got a few cases of the West Nile virus okay. going around. Oh, Mosquitoes. Man. Okay. Yep. Um, not good. Uh, mm-hmm. They can mess you up pretty good. Now, oh my goodness, we have one in the studio. Here, hold on a second. Let me, there we go. Okay. Okay. Little boys and girls, again, don't be scared. I That's took right. care of it. That's right. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you know this or not. This is This is interesting. Um, and, and most of this may be true or false, but we'll get to that in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, many, many years ago, um, the West Nile virus actually battled the East Nile virus. No way. Did you know that? Did not know that, no. Um, it was a very, very brutal war. Okay. It lasted many,
1: many years. So that's why we never heard about the East Nile virus. That's exactly right. right.
0: The West Nile covered it up. It covered, yeah. It yeah. covered it up. Um uh, that wasn't true, and I, I, you know what, folks, I apologize. Yeah. That was just unnecessary. Goodness. And I hope you forgive me. Um, actually, um, we want to talk about the, you know, the filming in Georgia thing. Yeah, yeah. So I, I would venture to say the most popular show filmed in Georgia is The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you say so? I would think so. That's a long-running show. We're going on eight years now. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. Now. I do keep up with all of the uh, critics and everything. I, right. I know right now we have a lot of rumblings. Yeah. yeah. Uh, some people are getting restless. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, what's your take on that? What's the direction of the show? What do you, how is it
1: working for you? Well, okay. I have to admit, um, two seasons ago. Yes. I kind of checked out on it for just a little bit because mm. I just sort of, you know, I mean, I, I like action and stuff as much as anybody, but sure. for me, I thought, you know, it's kind of, okay, we're losing the story a little bit. We're losing the, you know, the plot a little bit with, with all just the, the violence. I felt like Negan just came to town and all, you know, ah, everything was, went off the tracks so and yeah. we're just, you know, it's just violence for violence sake. But now this past year, I felt like we've done a good job of putting it back on the track a little bit and getting back to, um, you know, the, some of the some of the storyline and, and pulling back from the early days even as mm-hmm. far as some of those things that really kind of made it great.
0: Yeah, I agree. You know, I mean, um, the Negan thing, and, and I and I read the graphic novels. Sure. I, I
1: cheat a little bit, okay. but
0: they're not all the same anyway, so yeah. it doesn't really yeah. matter. But Negan thing, the Negan thing was the same pretty much. And I knew it was coming and it was horrible. Um, but, you know, from a writer's perspective, maybe they wanted to derail it so they could build it back up. Right. I'm right. not hundred percent, but, um, where it's headed now. Mm-hmm. Um, and we all know pretty much at this point that Andrew Lincoln is checking out of the show.
1: Yeah. How he checks out. Gonna be leaving. Oh, is st- that
0: Rick in the studio?
1: Stuff and oh. things.
0: Oh my yeah. goodness. I wish yeah. you would talk to Carl real quick. Carl, oh Carl, gosh. stay in the house, Carl. <laughs> and you know what? Carl did not stay in he the house. He did not. No, he did not. No. Um, but yeah, I, yeah. I, you know, I hope this season is like another pinnacle in the whole show. I know. Because yeah. those early days, there was this mystique to it, this mm-hmm. mystery. Mm-hmm. It yep. was really eerie. It was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Folks, you can always email us, uh, and I promise we're actually about music production, but yes. we just want to talk about a few things. So, um, you know, we have some variety. Yeah. What are you, what are you going to do? Right. Uh, info at the mixbuspodcast.com, Email us, and I will, I promise you... I will return, uh, and I will reply to you. And uh, if you have a question or anything, we'll read it on the air. Be nice, though. Yeah. You know, yeah. be yeah. nice. You know, raise read. your hand.
1: Oh, goodness. Hallelujah. Yeah, there you go.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening in. Um, today, um, we have a very special guest. you want to talk about
1: Reed a little bit? Man, how do I even start to talk about this guy? He is um, an incredible engineer, producer. I think he's done some writing. Um, but he is mostly known these days in the mix engineer circles. Um, he's mixed everybody. Give us, give us a little
0: rundown. Of, he really uh, has, uh, Reed Shippen. Uh, he's, uh, based in, um, Nashville yeah. and he has worked with, um, folks like, uh, Mark Broussard, Clay Aiken, Third Day, Eric Church, uh, Dirk Bentley, Adele, Adele. Yeah. I mean, the list goes on and on and yeah. on and on. And he's. Yeah. He's a fantastic dude. I mean, we we really enjoyed our conversation with him, and I think you are really going to dig it. Yes. Uh Without further ado, let's talk to Reed.
1: So Reed, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the Mixed Bus. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. This is going to be great. Um, First of all, let me just say um, we're glad to have you on, and this is an incredible pleasure for us to get to, to talk to somebody who has covered a lot of ground and a lot of different things as far as even in your career. So, uh, on the, on the engineering side of things. So, um, first of all, let me just ask you, what was it that, that first brought you to the, like this to your attention that you wanted to do this, that you said, man, I've got to do it.
2: You mean as far as, as recording? Goes? Yeah.
1: Yeah. As far as recording goes. Yes.
2: You know, uh, as a kid, I, I was always kind of involved with music, um, as a player barely um you know and i would sing in musical theater and in choir and play handbells at my church and stuff like that and, uh-huh. but it never it never was anything serious really i i don't think my uh my parents thought that music what was it i think my grandmother told me once that music was a hobby not a job <laughs> um or actually i think she said it's a uh a vocation, not a vocation. Right. Um, so, you know, I kind of, um, you know, I always found it interesting, but I never really got into recording. And I, I started to get into college and was, was doing like business and electrical engineering and stuff like that. And really just kind of hit a wall of, man, I'm just not, I'm not excited about this course for my life. And I, I figured I'd, I'd rather be, I'd rather be poor and interested in what I was doing <laughs> yeah. than secure and bored out of my mind. Right. So right.
0: Now was this when I you was, sorry to interrupt you. This yeah. was when you were at Middle Tennessee State or were you at another school before that?
2: No, this is actually how I ended up at Middle Tennessee State. I was okay. like, forget okay. it. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and learn recording and the only school that I could really afford and get into because i wasn't a musician and you have to audition to get into right. like university of yeah. miami or yeah. berkeley right uh ended up being mtsu you know i found it and it looked like it had a cool program and you know i mean i had never in my, a million years thought i would end up in tennessee uh you <laughs> yeah. know i mean i'm i grew up in new jersey like right. that the south was about as far away as i thought <laughs> I would, <laughs> you know it's, it's like the moon but um <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So I came down to MTSU and 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 like worked full time and went to school full time and just kind of knocked it out and spent most of my time in the studios there. And,
1: uh, you know, and then here I am still. Did you think about actually when you finished school, were you thinking maybe like going somewhere else to work or was Nashville just like a natural thing to think about or what?
2: I don't know. Maybe I was just not paying enough attention to think about it. I, I, uh, (laughs) if I had it to do all over again, um, maybe I would have moved to LA. Okay. Uh, I didn't have a ton of money. Right. So, and as I was wrapping up my last year, you know, during the course of my last year in school, I was interning at a bunch of studios and, and you know, that, that, Led to opportunities, and you kind of get in the flow of working. And the next thing I knew, like I, you know, I looked up, and it was like five years later, and I was gainfully employed. Right, yeah, yeah that's awesome. Yeah. So,
0: let let me ask you on on those lines today. Um, what are your thoughts on current audio production schools, or you know, I'm not naming any schools specifically, but just what are your thoughts on should should people still pursue that, or should they learn it on their own, or what are you thinking?
2: Um, I don't know. I think it really depends on the individual. Yeah. Um, I, I have, I have told people in the past that if you, if you're like recording interested, um, you know, like that might be a cool career path. Like it sounds pretty good. Just quit now. Cause unless you're dying to do this and you're bleeding out of the eyes and you're willing to do whatever <laughs> it takes. Yeah. Yeah you know you're not gonna make it like there's there's just not that much headroom in the business like you're gonna get creamed by someone who really really wants it so like going and spending 60 grand going 60 grand into debt to learn how to be a recording engineer doesn't sound like a really smart move um you know but other people have the resources and i think it's it can be a good jump start and it can be a good networking experience um you know to plug into a network of alumni and and people like that so I think
1: it really just depends on the uh, on the individual right that's good when you came out of school and you were starting to work around town were you um what were some of the the studios or that you were working at, at that point The um were you working like the big studios or are you I mean what what were you where were you working
2: um, I started at a little place called Skylab.
1: Oh yeah, we um, okay. were just—that's funny. Ryan know? and I were just talking about Skylab before off the air, but uh, yeah. oh, that's
2: funny. Yeah. yeah, I just ran into Denny Gioce, not too—oh wow, Denny, Giosi, Denny Giosa, Sorry, Denny, uh-huh.
1: yeah. <laughs> uh, not too
2: long ago, and he's—he's still—he's still killing it and doing his guitar stuff and. You know, always seems happy when I see him. I've been meaning to go over and check out his studio, but he was like one of the first guys to give me an opportunity to get in an intern. I worked there. I worked at Salt Mine. I worked at Quad. Oh yeah, um,
1: yeah, nice. You know, uh, Omni, like stuff like that. Sure, sure. Were you um, now back at that point? I'm. A, this is what probably mid 90s, would it be? Yeah. Um, yeah. So you were still working on tape at that point, right? Yes. Yeah. So it was probably, I'm imagining probably some form of digital, um, uh, mostly. Um, there was, I mean, I know there were a lot of, um, Atari's floating around, but there were also a lot of those Mitsubishi machines floating around too. Um, yeah. Cause I know that, um, the, uh, go ahead. no, no, I was, I know that like at quad, they had, I think they bought like one that was like Ronnie Millsap's old machine or something like that. And. And it floated from room to room a lot so
2: i'll trust you on that one man i don't remember <laughs> yeah. i remember doing rock records on you know two inch uh analog and yeah, i remember yeah. there were a, you know the mitsubishi 32 track digital was kind of a nashville digital mainstay so yes, there was. were a fair amount of
1: those yeah. and then sony came along with the 48 track which right was, right. was cool yeah i like the sony one better i think that was that was the, yeah yeah
0: so take us back to some of those that, you know, maybe your first session as an intern, how were you feeling? How were you nervous? Did you feel confident? Uh, did they show you a lot of grace? Kind of walk us through maybe an example or two of, uh, some of those early sessions if you don't mind. Okay.
2: Well, uh, yeah. One of the, one of the first ones that I, or one of the first anecdotes that I remember is, uh, uh, I almost got fired as an intern, <laughs> uh, been there <laughs> because I'm from, I mean, you know, I'm from the Northeast, so I got an internship. It was at a it was at quad okay. and um, that, you know, I went in there and tried to find out what I could do that, you know, we can make this better. We can change this. or This could be better. Or this will be more efficient. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I was like, I, I wanted just to make things better, you know, as, as much as I can. And I actually had a good friend of mine, a guy named Martin, Martin Woodley, pull me aside. Um, and he was like, you know, a year or two ahead of me or whatever. And he's like, dude, you need to just shut up and do what you're told. <laughs> That's awesome. you know?
0: But you had um, the passion. You had the excitement.
2: I just, you know, I just, I wanted things to be better.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um,
2: you know, um, like, I don't see why you wouldn't ever want to keep improving. Absolutely. Um, and I, I was too naive to know that, like, there were people there who were looking at me like, who is this? smart-ass kid who thinks he knows better. <laughs> yeah. and, I, and that's not what I was thinking at all. I was just, I was thinking things like, well, listen, if it's, you know, if it's difficult to find snakes and cables, I'm just going to like make a wall out of pegboard and label it and everything goes back in the same place. And then it'll be really quick and easy to find snakes right. and cables. Right. You know? Yeah, It's good thinking. You know, I didn't want to, I I didn't want to, I didn't even think that people would get offended by that because I, I, I figured I was there to, you know, do whatever I could. So I had to learn huh. the lesson, like sit down, shut up, do what you're told, prove that you're there and worthy, mm-hmm. you know, cause in my mind, I was like, I'm here to, I'm here to, I'm here to do the best I can. And, and right. You, right. Don't, you don't, it didn't never occur to me that there were a lot of idiot interns that would show up and do next to nothing or screw stuff up or steal stuff or like, you know, so coming in with these, these guys are looking at me like any other idiot intern, like we don't know this guy. Mm-hmm. So you know, that was a good lesson. That was a good lesson to learn. And that was a lesson that I've carried forward a couple times or a lot, actually, when somebody maybe was doing something they shouldn't have been. I think it's, I think it's a cool thing to pull them aside and say, Hey man, just so you know, exactly. you might, you might be screwing yourself here. You might want to like double check that. Cause I, I always, I, I always felt indebted to Martin for saying that. Cause he could have just let me hang and get fired and,
1: um, you know, and he didn't. So I always thought it was a good idea to pass that forward. What were you doing as an intern at first? And were you like mostly just, were you a runner? Were you just kind of setting up stuff or were you, um, what was that like? You
2: know, I'm, I don't even remember what I was doing like three years ago. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. I
1: got you.
2: But yeah, yeah. I mean, whatever needed to be done, setting up for sessions, tearing down, going and getting lunches and, you know, trying to facilitate fixing stuff, making Elko cables and, you know, learning all that, uh, that stuff. I remember sitting up in the tech shop in quad, like making an Elko cable and spending all this time on it and then realizing I did it wrong.
1: I had to do it all over. And ugh. was, was Dave there then? Was that? Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, and
2: Dave's great. Dave's oh, yeah. great. Yeah. So, um, so what actually ended up happening is, uh, uh there was a CBS television series called the road. Yep. I remember. Um, yep. And it was a video and audio thing. And, um, the guy that came into quad that was working on it at the time was a guy named J.R. McNeely. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was a young engineer uh, and it was, it was crazy complicated stuff, right? We had like a 32 track and two twenty-four tracks and some da 88s And then you were linking all that with, you know, U-matic video and, and uh, it was just complicated. And yeah. I remember they yeah. came and I was just interning. So I was just kind of like, can I hang around and, watch and help and do whatever um and they were working for like hours this one day trying to get everything to sync mm. and they couldn't get it to sync and they got super frustrated and they were like forget it we're going to lunch like whatever we'll we'll you know we'll give it another try after that and they went to lunch for like an hour and a half and when they came back i had the whole room running
1: i love it nice. i love it there you go
2: because I was sitting back there as they were doing that, just thinking through all the iterations and it's like, okay, well they tried this and this and this, but they didn't try that and they didn't try that. So I'm going to try that. So, you know, they walked back in from lunch and I was like, Hey guys, check this out. And I hit play and everything locked. <laughs> nice. That's and great. they were like, who the hell are you? And I was like, Look, I'm not anybody. I was just, I was watching what you guys were doing and I just figured there were a couple of things that we didn't try. Um, you know, and that was that must have been like Lynx modules and Adam Smith Zeta synchronizers oh, and all yeah, that. Anyway, yeah, yeah. so that got that project back on track, and I was just kind of hanging out for that project for however many days they were in there, I don't know. And then they were packing up and going to another studio, and I was just like, "Man, so so nice to hang. Thank you for letting me hang on your session. Like that was great." And I think it was Jr. He was like, "Oh no, no, no dude, you're coming with us. Like you're hired. You're you're, you're wow. assisting now. Let's go." Wow. So. Okay. You know, then I got to go and do uh, do a bunch of stuff for them, and that kind of
1: started the assisting thing. I gotcha, guess. Gotcha, gotcha. Do you remember now? You say you don't remember what you did three weeks ago, which is kind of the same for me. But do you remember the first time you got the chair? As far as just you, you got the call to be the guy in the chair, not the assistant. Nah. No.
2: No, I, you know what, but I, I, I can tell you what it probably was. I I did a lot of work with this guy named Rick will. Yep. Um, it was this really fantastic, super creative, like crazy cool engineer producer guy. Mm -hmm. And, and he kind of taught me a lot of what I know. And, and one thing he taught me is that, you know, it's a team, team hangs together. Right. So what probably happened at one point is, you know, we were working on a project or whatever and, Rick had to leave or Rick was late or whatever. And, and everyone had known me cause I'd been sitting there and working, i would worked with him for years and it's like, all right, let's just rock it. Like, you know, and I was probably just sitting there engineering when he came back in and knowing Rick, he probably just like lit a cigar and sit in the back and was like, you're doing it. So congratulations, you're an engineer.
0: Let's fast forward a little bit and talk a little bit about, um, some of the artists that you've worked with in the, maybe the last 10 years or so.
2: Eric Church,
0: uh, Dierks Bentley, um, kind of walk us through that. How did, how did you, how did you get, uh, you know, the opportunity to work with them and and just talk a little bit about them and just your experiences?
2: Well, for a long time, when I was working in Nashville, I I never really did any country music. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was okay with that because I never really grew up around country music per se coming from where I was coming from, I came out of like rock and hip hop and yeah, you know, that's the kind of stuff and Christian music. You know, I, I, I was tight with my church group in high school. So I, you know, I knew about Christian music from that. Yeah. Um, but I was into pop, you know, I was kind of a pop head and hip hop. Sure. Yeah. So people used to ask me like, what kind of music do you like, do you work on? And I said, ABC, anything but country. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, The Eric Church record came about because of Jay Joyce, who was a guy that I had worked with with Rick. He was kind of part of our crew and he was this insanely talented um, guitarist, producer, songwriter, like kind of he can do it all. Kind of guy, and the first time I I really kind of worked with him is when we ended up working on Patty Griffin's Flaming Red record. Oh
1: wow, okay. cool!
2: A lot of which he had done in his basement on Roland like VS 880s. Yeah, wow. Um, yeah, and uh, and for whatever reason, you know, he he called me to do some of this Eric Church stuff, and we ended up doing this uh, this record called Carolina, I think it's called. Okay, yeah. Um, certainly has that song on it. And and there was this big hit single for him called smoke a little smoke Yep. Mm -hmm. that, you know, you know, so, uh, that kind of kicked open the doors to country a little bit because after we had done that and a few other things like this, this Jay ended up doing this group called little big town. Um, and I, Mm -hmm. I went in Mm -hmm. and engineered that record with him and we knocked it out in like a week or 10 days they sang most of the vocals live. It was completely killer. And then, you know, they did a few overdubs and then I mixed it and, you know, we purposefully, thanks to Jay, you know, didn't do the typical whatever and, you know, messed around with some crazy stuff. And I remember on this, on their first big hit off that record was a song called pontoon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I remember we put all this crazy vocal slap on the, on the lead vocal and when the band first heard it they were like no 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 no! like we can't we can't do that so i was like all right fine i took it off and to their credit like a couple days later you know karen called and said you know what it's just so much cooler with all that stuff on there put it back on (laughs) which was funny because they that became a you know that kind of became a signature sound for that song and you know for a while after that people were like can we make the vocals sound like pontoon and it kind of made them stand out i guess <laughs> yeah, that's awesome so, yeah. and that was really successful for them and then you know just like a bunch of people started calling i, I started working with kenny chesney because chesney was on the bus with eric or whatever and he's like man i, I really want to work with someone cool who should i work with and eric said you should call reed cool
1: yeah yeah which so it's is it usually now as far as what you're doing is it the artist or is it the A&R person that that really kind of gets in touch with you? It
2: really depends. It's
1: okay, so it's it's an either or really.
2: Yeah, when you when you're working with someone like Kenny Chesney, um there really is no A&R. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's it's Kenny and buddy and and you know, we kind of just do right. what we want right. When the record's done, Kenny turns it in. Yeah you know, with other artists, there's, there's definitely A&R opinion. So it, it just varies. Sure.
1: Sure. Um, are you, are you mostly mixing now? Are you, how much are you really tracking at this point?
2: That bounces around when the country thing started blowing up, I actually jumped back into more tracking, um, just because some of the guys that I worked with, I guess, wanted me around during the tracking phase and, like we really have fun i i go kind of all in on tracking like i'm mm-hmm. not i'm not a documentary kind of recording guy that's just there to get like good sounds right and, and that's right. It. like i
1: i want to screw with stuff and break <laughs> stuff <laughs> yeah that's the way to do it you yeah know, so you en- you enjoy that process then i do yeah. very much
0: you think you like them both equally mixing and tracking
2: no i think i lean toward mixing okay. but, um, yeah but track uh, tracking really has a lot to do with um, the people in the room, uh, the vibe of the record, stuff like that. Because yeah. there's, there's a fair amount of stuff and I'm sure this is true everywhere, but in Nashville where it's like, you know, there are three sessions, a 10, a 2, and a 6. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, people come in at 10 o'clock and you listen to the demo and you have the chart written out and everybody goes out there and plays through it and then we go to the next one and you know, like, I know that approach can work well because the musicians in this town are so amazing Mm -hmm. but at the same time you know i always would sit there and say you know these musicians are amazing and we're basically just telling them just play what's on the demo so why are we doing that let's have some fun let's get a drum sound for something let's get people inspired let's you know try and make it unique yeah yeah absolutely so right. yeah, I, I try and do stuff like that.
0: If you can, uh, in a session, in your in your experience with uh, in the past, I mean, have you had any things? That's, have you ever had a situation where it just you started and it just wasn't working? If something, I mean, if you can share anything like that, just a a story, a, or a situation where it was just, it just kind very of goes difficult. Off the
2: tracks. Yeah. 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 Oh sure. You know, I mean, sometimes people get into personal conflicts or you know sometimes players get can get bent out of shape i mean usually not because they're pros but sure. yeah i mean there's always something that can derail it you can go into a song you know thinking it's it's that we're going to do it this way and here's some prelay that we're going to play to and you know people keep trying it and it just doesn't feel right you know yeah, uh, yeah. this doesn't feel it and that's that's honestly part of the process i mean it's a completely unreasonable expectation to think that you're going to like walk into the studio walk out three hours later with four or five songs and everything is money like yeah, you know yeah the only way to get to make that happen on a consistent basis is just to go for lowest common denominator on everything and who the hell wants to listen? yeah to that? exactly uninspired
0: yeah. any fist fights
2: <laughs> not that i well, hey, that's good that's good how
1: about what do you do in that if you want to talk about fistfights, you're gonna to have to ask here <laughs> <laughs> What do you do in your in in your situation where you're like you're bouncing around from from song to song to song to song so much, especially like in mixing, to prevent burnout and and to really just kind of stay fresh with things.
2: Um, a couple things, you know, I try and get in a creative flow for a block of time and then break out of it, and you know. Take a walk, take a nap, make some phone calls, like listen to some other music, something you know to kind of break me out of that. Okay. Um, yeah. And and also, what's great is you know just being able to to recall something just by opening a file. Like I can I can work on something for x amount of hours, close it, open the song I'm doing tomorrow, kind of mess around with that a little bit, and then close that and open the other song and have a totally fresh listen on it. Right. Um, or, you know, say I'm going to come in in the morning and just like take one fresh listen and make a few tweaks and send it out. You know, that's, that's, uh, the trick is not being slave to the whole, like, I got to get this done today. I got to get this sent out tonight. Sure. You know, it's, I'm not going to, I don't want to send it out unless I like it. Like, you know, I want to, I want to, I want it to feel right to me before it goes. And sometimes it's quick and sometimes it isn't.
1: How many times do you like in a, like a typical kind of thing, uh, typical kind of session, do you have the artist or the producer or someone at some level come back and and they want to make changes, uh, most times or or most times not?
2: Oh, everybody wants to make changes. You know, it's, it's, um, a lot of times you don't necessarily hear everything that's going on until you kind of get the mix up. Yeah. Um, you know, I've had a lot of things where I've mixed it and the artist has been like, you know what? I'm, I want to recut that verse vocal. I think I can do it better. (laughs) Or, you know, we want to add some guitars to this. I just did, I just did a song yesterday where we were going through it, me and the producer. And I I said to him, I was like, you're going to hate me for saying this, but the hook at the end of the chorus, I can't understand what she's singing. Mm. She, just the way she was phrasing it. And I was like, that's like, that is the name of the song. That is the hook. That's the
1: money. Yeah got
2: Might want to try just going and having her re sing that with a little more clarity, a little more diction, yep. and see if it makes it better. And he's like, Yeah, you know what? I, yeah, we need to do that. So, you know, it'd be the easiest thing in the world to be like, Does that sound good to you? Cool. It sounds good to me. Whatever. But it, it would bug me forever. Yeah. yeah it makes, makes sense. sense. Yeah. So,
0: I don't. I know we say we weren't going to talk about gear too much, but uh, <laughs> maybe just a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, talk a little bit about your your setup. You're you're known as a hybrid guy. I hope that doesn't make you mad. <laughs> um, talk a little I don't bit. <laughs> I don't care. Um, talk a little bit about uh, in the box and hybrid mixing, and just which what you think the advantages of either are.
2: Well, the advantages of working in the box is that. Um, you and, know and disadvantages i guess uh man you know it's it's what are the advantages of uh 58 les paul versus a 63 strat mm-hmm. you know um versus a prs sure. uh well it's like if you're doing a certain genre you know or you're going for a certain sound the strat's going to work better than les paul every okay. single um, you know, and for other sounds, the PRS is going to work better than the Strat. Like I wouldn't want a heavy rock record just using Strats. Yeah. Um, there's a reason why ACDC uses SGs. That's that, right. You know,
0: yeah. Heck yeah. yeah.
2: So it, it's really kind of like what do you want to do? Like I love the SSL for things like drums and guitars and certain vocal stuff and Mm -hmm. bass stuff and the way the compression works and the way the channels work with the compression. There's a certain sound to that. Um, I like the distortion of analog. I like the unpredictability. I think it makes things wider and deeper and more interesting because when you're working digitally, you know, a lot of people tend to, work visually and they put a stereo plug in so everything's exactly the same and you know on a console like if you're eqing two sides of something stereo it's never the same the gain is different the distortion's different yeah. the curves are different the phase shift is different like everything and it contributes to a lot of the things that i think humans can really perceive there's there's a lot of perception cues that our ears can hear that while arguably digital right now isn't even capturing all of them you are you know we get localization cues up to 100k yeah yeah i know george i was just talking to a friend of mine he said he was talking to massenberg and Massenberg's doing everything at 384k right now wow that gives him (laughs) the the nyquest cutoff that keeps the localization gotcha you know and we'll eventually work our way towards that because even in stuff like video games if you have really really high resolution audio you're going to be able to hear somebody sneaking up behind you because your ears will use the localization cues to make that happen so, yeah
0: makes sense yeah
2: um not that i get all geeky about that stuff i mean we've <laughs> been the confines but uh but i you know that's what i like about analog i like transformers ringing and distortion and um you know stuff like that i just i just got a Fairchild 670, not too long ago, and I've been playing with that on the mix bus, and man, it just sounds glorious, awesome. um, you know. Um, but then I'll do a, a mix for Disney that has 400 tracks in it, and we have to turn it in on like 36 stereo stems, and the stems have to match the mix exactly. So, boom, we're doing it in the box.
1: Yeah, gotcha. yeah, you know, that's cool. And one be- of
2: one of the, no, one of the biggest challenges I find with that is a lot of times like Mark and I are listening to a completed two track mix of something and like saying, Hey, this is our reference. Like this is what we're aiming for. And I was like, you know, there's stuff that I can do on a stereo mix with stereo bus compression that I can't do without stereo bus compression or without
1: the way everything interacts. You know, there's certain limitations. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you find that like on your, especially like having an SSL and everything, do you find the, um, On the mix bus itself, are you doing anything to intentionally uh, add distortion to that? Or do you do that on the, on the the channels themselves outside the mix bus?
2: I have no idea. You don't know? It
1: uh, It just happens. It it just, it happens. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Like after you've worked with an SSL for a while, and depending on the model, I've got a 4k. um, Mm -hmm. You just, there's a sweet spot. I suppose that you could maybe if we went in there for a couple of days, we could try and quantify. I just naturally go to it. Right. So right, right. it's just something that you're kind of used to.
0: I like yeah. your approach. Cause you're not so much on the component level. You're like, what sounds good. Is yeah. that, is that true?
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, if you get on a component level, then you're dealing with individual sources instead of a mix. A mix mm-hmm. is basically just designed to evoke an emotional reaction. Like it doesn't even have to sound good. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know there's a lot of amazing sounding mixes that bore me. Um, There's a lot of really shitty mixes that rock. Yeah. Uh Yeah, definitely. And you know what you're trying to do is make get a really amazing sounding mix that rocks.
0: Yeah. Good answer.
1: Yeah. What else you got?
0: Um, well let's detour for a second. Okay. Um I meant to ask this at the beginning. Oh, yeah. um, okay. I, I know where you're going. Yeah, well this week we were told that, you know, for years we've been <laughs> we've been informed that a little bit of alcohol is a good thing. Uh maybe a glass <laughs> of wine with your dinner, what have you, good for the brain, good for the heart. Well this week we're told mm, not so much. Um any thoughts on that? <laughs>
2: Everything in moderation, including moderation.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Good answer. Good answer. So kind of uh, making the last lap here. And again, thanks for spending some time with us today. Definitely. This is awesome. Um, Advice for all the up and comers. Um, Just I'm going to open the floor for you just to say whatever you want to about that. Just advice, uh, pitfalls, encouragement.
2: Well, I, I actually co-teach a, a class on music and tech and entrepreneurs and disruptors and stuff like that, and and uh, um, we do it because we want to learn from these students, and we want to send the elevator back down a little bit, but, you know, what we tell all of these students now is if if you're going into business for yourself, you know, you are an entrepreneur. like Yeah, you know, absolutely. You're, you need to know business. You need to know marketing. You need to know PR, um, you know, and... And you need to know how to promote yourself and how to budget. And, you know, you, you have to think about everything other than, like, I'm just going to be awesome at this one thing and it's going to happen. I, I and mean, the people that are going to run the music business in the future are the people who can do the things that I can't do. They're the, they're the kids who can... Write the song, program the track, play all the instruments, engineer it, mix it, master it. Like, you know, that's those are the people who are gonna to run this business. Mm. Um, so if you're not one of those people, then you've got a little bit more of a climb ahead of you. And I would I a lot of times I counsel people to kind of do the opposite of what I did, honestly, and and, and like go identify the top people in the field, the people that you really admire and you really think their work is great and then go sit on their doorstep until they hire you as an intern, (laughs) you know, and and don't, don't take no
1: for an answer. So persistence then is a, it's a great thing.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, you know, I mean, it's been born out time. And again, it's like the, the harder I work, the luckier I get. So persistence and determination is definitely a great thing. And you have to be able to read people because, you know, some people are going to be turned off by that. But I think a lot of people who are successful, recognize the drive that got them to success in certain people um you know so when you're someone who evokes that and you're sitting there going listen you know mr and mrs whatever i just i think you're the best and i want to work for the best and i'll i'll sit on your stoop until you let me carry mail in and then i'll i'll carry mail in until you let me sweep the floors and clean the toilets and i'll do whatever it takes to learn from you Mm -hmm. most of those people are going to see themselves in that and respond really well that's true no, that's great.
0: That's, Mark, you got anything else? You know,
1: um, I think, no, I mean, I think I'm pretty, pretty good on it. But one other thing I want to ask though is, um, do you, do you ever like when you're starting a new project, you've got something that's either, either you're tracking or mixing and probably more mixing than, than anything. Cause I know as, as somebody that's been in production for a long time, I'm convinced every time I start a new project, I'm like. Okay, I got to do this one more time. Can I do this again? How do I do this again? You know, it's, I, I think, you know, my last project's going to be my best one, you know, and, and, um, do you ever kind of get that way or are you just kind of so confident that you sit down at the board and you go, I got this? When you, when
2: oh, no, I'm usually I sit down at the board and go, I hope I don't screw this up. See, yeah, there you go. <laughs> that's,
1: that's what I, and, and I think, I think that's a pretty common thing with creatives that really kind of take what they do to that level of, Uh, It's just, it's a passion that you wonder, okay, how am I going to do this again? Because it's not, it should not be a cookie cutter.
2: Well, I mean, it usually can't be unless you're mixing demos or you're forcing everything into a template. And I suppose there are guys who have a certain template and they have these drum sounds and everything just kind of fits into it. And you can knock out like a bunch of songs in a row. But uh, do you use a template? No, you don't. No, I mean, I, I have, I have like usual setups, but I have my, my system is set up in a way I can like change and flex really, really quickly. Gotcha. And, yeah. You know, just seeing what the
1: song deserves.
2: Yeah. I every creative on the planet has imposter syndrome. It's if you just, don't know what that yeah. is, I like, Google oh, yeah. it.
1: But yeah, no, I, I, you I believe you're right on that. <laughs> Read. what know, do? You... But go ahead. Go ahead.
0: No, go ahead and let you finish.
2: Uh, I was just going to say that the key to it is, is just finding out what that particular song, like what makes it interesting, what makes it special and like concentrating on that. And then right, right. the rest of the pieces start to fall. Yeah.
0: Mm. I was just going to ask, what does uh, Reed do for fun outside of music? If you don't mind, just how do you unwind? What, what's a typical day outside of music?
2: Um, I, I, I spend a lot of time with my, uh, my family i i decided pretty early on that um, prioritizing my kids and and my family my wife is is something that was a high priority to me um, so we spend a lot of time doing stuff like that i also i love uh, getting out on the motorcycle you know nice. hitting the back back roads with some friends and you know that's a very relaxing thing for me sure that's cool
1: that's yeah
2: cool. hiking outdoor stuff traveling hiking stuff like that yeah. i love that too
1: that's, that's awesome. Cool. Do you say, do and you drinking? Find, yeah. Drinking. Uh, there you go. Alcohol <laughs> moderation. Wait, right? yeah. wait a minute. <laughs> do you find that you do, do you take a, like a certain time, like a certain amount of time off in a year and just say, all right, I'm not, I'm not going to be doing anything for this, this time just to refresh.
2: Well, uh, the first way I did that was, was basically just saying I'm not working weekends. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you have to set time aside for yourself, for your family, or you're going to burn out and it's you're just going to suck. Yep. Or you're just going to be miserable. You might be, you might make brilliant work for years, but you, you might just be personally miserable. And, and then why? Yeah. Sure. Um, but no, I mean, we, we usually take a trip or two a year, sometimes, you know, one during the summer, maybe, you know, one over Christmas break sometimes yeah, or yeah. stuff like that. It's not Tried and true. It's not fixed, you know, sure, and, and sure. we all have to flex around
1: schedules, but yeah. Yeah, yeah you never know. Definitely. Well, man, this has been a pleasure.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much, Reed, yeah, for likewise. spending yeah. some time with us today.
1: Yeah. Thanks for riding on the Mixed Bus. Yes. Yeah. Thanks for having me.
0: Boys, I got to tell you, mm-hmm. that was awesome. God, yeah, it was. Really, really enjoyed um, about everything he said. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just a, a good dude lots of information lots of knowledge Yeah, and, and he's we're going to hey we're going to hang out
1: with him too we know? are let's make yeah. it a point we're going to do that yeah,
0: yeah. I, yeah. I agree yeah. Um, and it would be great to uh, just to chat with him some more but yeah. hope you enjoyed it uh, remember you can always email us um, info at Uh drop us a, you know, a note or a question read it on the air and uh, we'll get back to you for sure. And
1: um, you can drop us offers of endorsements or anything like that. Oh, too. any of that. Anybody yeah, yeah, listening, yeah. that's right. Yeah. If
0: you want to send us a pet camel,
1: oh, yeah.
0: um, <laughs> I guess we'll take that as well. So Yes.
1: Uh, yes. Yes. Oh, yes. Ah.
0: <laughs> so, guys, until next time, you guys take care of yourself, be nice, and God bless.
1: And thanks for riding on the next Bus. On the next Bus. <laughs>